Welcome to part two of the 56th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast where we discuss murders that intrigue us. I'm Mercedes. And I am Cindy. Thank you for listening to last week's episode where we introduced Thomas William Randolph Jr., who was acquitted in the murder of his wife, Becky Ray Galt Randolph. Our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. Also, we are passionate and always have been about true crime. But we must warn you, sometimes we'll make jokes and laugh during our podcast. Want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. If you'd like what you hear and you'd like to help us out, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. Also, please recommend our podcast to your friends and family. The more, the merrier. Okay, Cindy, how's it going? So how's it going, Cindy? It's going okay. If I could get my family to shut up. Well, if we hear an occasional shout, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> I just recorded the intro without my mic plugged in, but I'm okay with that because I'm pretty oh, you loud did? anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, it sounded normal to me. Well, we, we haven't listened back to the audio, but whatever. It'll be fine. So, um, yeah, you want to share anything about your week? How's your week going? Um, it's going okay. Okay. I'm tired. Yeah, I, I was tired last week. Remember, I could barely hold my head up. I had a bad headache all day, but I'm I'm good now. I just I ate. I just had steak. Delicious. Yeah. Mm, I had a baked potato. Okay. Well, see, I didn't have any side. So you had my side. I had your beef. That's right. That's right. right. That's I went to girl. the <laughs> I went to the dentist today. So. Oh, your teeth look pretty. You look pretty today. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I need. Yeah. I just got some new toothpaste. We'll see how that works. My yep. teeth look so white right now. Mine are, um, they, they could be whiter. Yeah. If well, I didn't drink so much, you know. I'm just saying coffee. Right now, coffee, red wine, eating blueberries, you know, the general. So anyway, you want to dive right in since it's kind of late and I know we're tired. All right. So last week I gave you part one. I told you about Thomas Randolph Jr., and how he had been accused of shooting his wife, Becky Ray Galt Randolph, and he was acquitted. Remember yes. all that, right? Yes, I remember. I want to remind you of something that her mother, Martha DeGraw said at the very end of, um, after he was acquitted and mm-hmm. she said he's guilty and he's just going to kill someone else's daughter. So beware. So I wanted to remind you of the statement because in retrospect, it is haunting. Is that a little prophetic? It is. It is. And um, I want, I'm going to tell you about Randolph's life after his acquittal for the most part, but I will say that most news stories actually start in 2008 with the shooting of his sixth wife, Sharon Cause Randolph. I'm sorry, what? Yes. So, (laughs) um, In 2008, his sixth wife, uh, there was a shooting and then the media sensation when they found out that he was acquitted earlier of Becky's death, that's really when the media picked up on it. So I started kind of like, I started in 1986, but really the media did not pick up on the story until 2008 and then 2017. Okay. So so you originally, like, were you investigating the 2008 murder? No. Remember I told you that I was kind of like Googling and newspapers.com and I found the 1986 murder and I done all the research for part one. And then I thought, well, you know, he was acquitted. I wonder what happened to him. And so I Googled his name and then I found this. So originally it was just a one part thing. 
and he is known as the Merriam and Murder Murderum Killer. Merriam and Murderum. Okay. So are you ready for part two? Merriam and Murderer. Merriam and Murderum. You'll see it okay. in writing in a minute. Okay. Okay. On May 8th, 2008, a 9-11 call came into the Clark County Police in, uh, and they're in Nevada. The caller was a male and he informed dispatch that he had just shot a masked intruder who had shot his wife. When asked if the intruder was still alive, Randolph told the dispatcher, I hope not. I hope he's dead. Dispatch then told the caller to perform CPR on his wife because Randolph said, yeah, she's still, she's barely breathing. She's breathing. The dispatch operator had to tell the caller more than six times to stop what he was doing to administer CPR to his wife. Wow. Had really? So many different excuses. Oh, my back. I can't bend over. Oh, I'm scared. There's another intruder in the house. Oh, I'm scared. The intruder has, is still alive and might come and get me. What a Whatever the case. Yeah. They don't think that he, he did act like he was doing CPR. And when police arrived, the Las Vegas PD arrived, they found 57 year old Sharon Randolph lying in a pool of blood in the hallway and her shirt had been pulled up. Like he did attempt CPR. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I hate to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. But like, if someone's like, yeah, I've been married five times already. I don't think I'm inclined to marry you. Yeah. But was he truthful? Well, and that was my next like thing. Like, does she know? But I'm like, you Google that shit. I'm not super sure that she did know, honestly, Um, but he never changed his name. And who knows, you know, his, well, I'm going to get to all this, but Remember that last episode I told you that his record was expunged? Oh, yes. So she might have Googled him and it wouldn't have come up. She may have. Now, his name would have come up in the news, but he could have said, you know, my wife committed suicide and they tried to pin it on me, but I was acquitted. So, yeah, now I'd had to like, all right. So at the time when the police came in, he told them, he, Thomas Randolph, he was 53 at this time, told mm-hmm. Las Vegas police officers that he had come into the home to find mm-hmm. his wife, Sharon, lying dead on their hallway floor. Then he came upon an intruder in a black, black ski mask and in an act of self-defense shot the man at least five times. The intruder was dead in the garage, a black mask cast off to the side. Police were bothered by many inconsistencies in this man's story also by his grandiose explanation of the events surrounding the shooting deaths of two people. So it was like, you know, he's the star of this show. Yeah, I, I shot him, boom, boom, boom. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's reenacting it. Lieutenant- I saw something the other day. Like, I just, you know, when you have, what is it? Um, Deja vu. Feel- yeah, but it's like a different story. You know what it was? Right. I, was listen- I was listening to a podcast. That's what it was. And they said, boom, boom. Oh. No, it was kind of like the same thing where the said an intruder came in and shot, but it was shot. He shot my husband, but it was oh. almost the same like scenario. Yes, okay. exactly how you said it. And I was like, wait, have I heard this? I was like, wait a minute. But it was, uh, um, it was one of our Jimmy's stories that I was finally catching up on. Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. So Lieutenant Lou Roberts of the Las Vegas Homicide Unit said that Randolph's mannerisms and evidence at the scene were suspicious. Also, there was about a 10-minute lapse between the time of the shooting and Randolph's 911 call. 
I never really determined how they knew that. And I don't know if it was because okay. neighbors, I did read something where like a neighbor heard gunshots at some time, at some point, but whatever the case, there was at least 10 minutes and the police believe that Randolph used that to stage the scene. Maybe someone did someone else call 911 when they heard the shots. And, maybe? and that might be what it was. Okay. Now, a couple of days later, Randolph agreed to reenact the incident on videotape because Wrong. police were bothered by numerous details and his grandiose behavior. And they wanted him to walk through the house and reenact the scene. Okay. Like they do, you know, they interview they you and ask you to retell your story a thousand yeah. times. Now, he had told police that he and his wife had plans to go to dinner and a movie because she liked to go to movies. But after dinner, he said she got a little frisky and wanted to go home to have sex. He said that when they got to the house, he pulled into the driveway and she got out of the vehicle and entered the house through, through the garage door. He mm -hmm. said that he couldn't pull into the garage until she had already entered the house because the garage was not big enough for her to get out when he pulled in. Okay. So once she goes into the house, he pulls in and he locks everything up, closes the garage door, and he goes into the entrance in the garage. And when he enters the home, he said he saw his wife, Sharon, lying in a pool of blood on the floor, on the floor in the hallway by the master bedroom. She had been shot in the head. Now, after finding his wife, Randolph tells police that he notices a man in a black ski mask in the entrance hallway of their home. He said, the man kind of walked past me and brushed against me. And then I reached into the, uh, this place and shot him five times. In the reenactment video, Randolph described walking to his home, seeing his wife lying dead on the ground. And this, by the way, is out there. You can actually watch this video. He oh, says wow. that I was about right here. So he's kind of like, and there's uh, a door. As soon as you walk in from the garage, there's a little closet here. So he's standing by the little closet and he's mm -hmm. saying, um, he said, I was about right here. I was trying to get a kind of get a view. I thought I just, I was trying to kind of get a view. I thought I kind of just seen a shadow or something over this way. I just seen a shadow. Yeah, he's, yeah. As he's talking to detectives, he pantomimes grabbing a gun and bumping into an imaginary masked intruder. He says, that's when I just pushed him. Boom, boom. He started going out. He started going out of the shed and there was no shed. It was the garage. So I don't understand shed. Anyway, he says, I don't know how many times I shot him, but I just kept going, boom, boom, boom. And he's just lying there. So he's saying all this on the video and mm -hmm. it's out there. Like I said, if you want to watch it, you just Google it. So weird. So is he saying that he didn't hear the initial gunshot then? No, he's saying that he just walked in and saw his wife dead. Yeah. A lot of inconsistencies. That's one of them. Now, detectives did not believe this story as he walked him through the crime scene. And neither did her friends. Sharon's friends and family didn't believe it either. They knew that something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. One of her friends called him and she, well, she told a reporter, you know, he just made me nervous. It wasn't really a normal relationship. Apparently they argued all the time. Mm -hmm. And then another one of her friends, Alice Wolf said, I just didn't like him. I got bad feelings from him. You think? Yeah. Beeman Wolf said it was a relationship that moved too quickly. Their friend Sharon married Tam Thomas Randolph after a very short courtship. It's okay. a match Sharon's friends did not understand. It wasn't a caring, loving type of thing, said Beam. Hmm. Wolf told yeah, reporters that as soon as she heard that her friend was shot, she called Tommy and said, Tommy, what did you do? And he said, I didn't do anything. He did it, Wolf recalled. He said the person who was in the house ran towards the garage and he shot him. 
Now, detectives did some further digging into Randolph's background, and guess what they found? What? Well, what do you think they found? Detectives did some further digging, and guess what they found? His murder conviction. Overturn. Turnage. His acquittal. His acquittal, yes. (laughs) Yes, they found that. They found stark similarities between the two deaths in Vegas and the death of his second wife, Becky Galt, in Utah in 1986. This caused great suspicion, so they kept digging and kept pulling on threads in his story, and they eventually got to the truth. The events that occurred on the night of Sharon Randolph's death turned out to be, according to one news source, a Mm -hmm. devious plan by her husband. Mm. Randolph had hired a hitman to kill his wife. Then, after his wife Sharon had been killed, Randolph turned a firearm on the hitman himself, who was his friend Michael Miller. Randolph had met James Mike, Michael James Miller, a down-and-out handyman at a local convenience store, about a year before the slayings. Didn't we talk about this last week where you just don't talk to random people about trying to kill your wife? Well, you know, when you pick up a handyman, you know, you see somebody who looks like they might need money or might need drugs, and you're like, look, you know, I've got a few things around the house that I need. You know, to- like killing my wife. Then you're grooming that person for your friendship and then you're like look you know i've got an idea wow all right authorities believe that randolph was grooming miller to kill sharon and then hired him to kill his wife so he could collect life insurance payouts now this all sounded eerily familiar to a lot of people who knew randolph uh if you remember eric tarantino's testimony back in 1989 when he said that randolph had offered to pay him ten thousand to kill becky well this time randolph took care of miller to prevent him from testifying against him later on. He learned his lesson, right? He learned his lesson. Don't leave anyone alive, right? Detectives also dug up details that Randolph had been married six times. And four of his wives had died. Four, all right? So we knew about Sharon and we knew about Becky. There were two others. One of them died from a, a very rapid suspicious illness. Nobody really knows. And his third wife, named Frances Gaskin Randolph, had died rather unexpectedly and suspiciously in a hospital bed after a routine heart surgery that had been textbook perfect. Her daughter claims that Randolph would not allow her to see her mother in the hospital after the procedure and that he was the last person to see her alive. Hmm. An autopsy was never done on either body because Randolph had the bodies cremated within 24 hours of their death. And I guess if they were in well one like if it was in a hospital after surgery because she was under care then she might not have been required I mean I don't know what the autopsy requirements are in Nevada but I know like here if you're under medical care they don't require it they don't require it what is it an autopsy okay all right I don't know and he made sure to do it very quickly now this douchebag took the ashes of Frances Gaskin Randolph and distributed a little bit of her ashes and different pill bottles to give to her family. Didn't even bother to purchase an urn. Although an urn does come up later on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he, when, um, Sharon's that's like my daughter, mom, what? <laughs> that's like my mom asking me, I mean, she didn't, but I'm just saying, that's like, you're calling me up and saying, Hey, do you want some of your granddaddy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I know that he's like, over there in that son, bag. Yeah. Like my son, oh, yeah. when his father had passed away that him, he and his sister, he and, um, and my son's sister, his half sister, 
got some of their dad's ashes in a necklace. Like there's like yeah. A- yeah. yeah like a charm or something you put the ashes in please you don't do that have... to me son i want my ashes to fly free okay? you can <laughs> my, uh... with a tree though you can bury me in some tree yes like, they tree have trees. those but you can also have um because my family has isn't my dad's family is in the funeral business mm-hmm. um they actually make like the the you know like the they look like paperweights okay and they're really pretty and like um no I don't yeah. want to be locked in a paperweight. <laughs> I'm just saying, but you can. <laughs> no, no, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Let me fly through the air. Let me be the breath that you breathe. I want to be a no. spore that goes up your nostril. <laughs> well, maybe not your nostril, but. Um. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, he had the bodies cremated. Now, his this woman, Frances, had left him as a sole heir to her estate. She was well off. I mean, she wasn't like wealthy by any means, but she had a sizable state. And the other wife who had died left a note, left him in charge of her estate saying that she knew that he would take care of her daughter if anything ever happened to her, just as he had before her death. Okay. He did profit off the death of Francis Gaskin when the hospital gave him a settlement as a payout for her unexplained death. In addition, he walked away with a large insurance payout. So um, for Sharon, he had an insurance payout. For Francis Gaskin, he had an insurance payout. For Becky, he had an insurance payout. And I couldn't find anything about the fourth wife who had died, but I'm pretty sure there was also a payout for that also. Okay, so because he was acquitted for wife number two, the you know, last yes. week's episode, he was able to get insurance. Yes. So he probably had to fight that. So I don't know how that works, how any of that works. I mean, I, mean, I assume that if you murder somebody, you don't get their insurance payout. Right. It goes to somebody else, whoever right. the next person is, like their kids or whatever. Yes. So I, I think that he was paid the insurance payout on Sharon before he, you know, went before he was accused of it. It was a while. It was like nine months or so before. Yeah. Ten months, I think, before they indicted him on murder charges, which I'll get to. Okay. Now the two wives who lived mm-hmm. later on, they do testify um, that they tell police that they had feared for their lives the whole time. He had threatened to have them killed. And actually he had introduced one of them to her potential hitman. He's like, yeah, I'm hiring this guy to kill you. Holy shit. Yeah, he- He's a real piece of work, wasn't he? Right. So 10 months later, a Clark County grand jury did indict Randolph, charging him with killing his 57 year old wife, Sharon Claus Randolph and Michael James Miller, the man he hired to kill her. Headlines revealed that Clark County issued a warrant for his murder in connection with a home invasion robbery in Nevada that left his wife and a handyman dead. The grand jury indictment alleges it was a, a it was really a plot to kill the woman. Investigators believe Randolph staged the home invasion in a plot to kill his wife for insurance money. He was charged with conspiracy to com- commit murder murder with a deadly weapon and burglary i don't get the burglary part but i guess if he paid the other guy to bur- burglarize his home maybe i don't yeah know. i don't know randolph of course fled to his mommy's in utah back where he was arrested the first time where clear clearfield police officers and detectives from the las vegas metro police department knocked on the door to serve a warrant for his arrest. Mm-hmm. He didn't answer the door and he was holding something black in his hands and 
He became very belligerent and refused to drop the object as instructed. So police tased his ass. Mm-hmm. It turns out as that the object, yeah, the object in his hand was a black leather glove, but they couldn't tell, you know, they're not sure what it was. And the police say, drop your shit in your hand. You drop your shit in the hand. Yeah, and you don't get belligerent. Well, when yeah. interviewed later, uh, the assistant Clearfield police chief, Greg Cruzy said there was a little bit of a struggle. He didn't comply with the arrest and he was tasered as a result of that. Randolph was brought before the Davis County Court, and that's in Utah. He's, so he's back in the Utah where he was before he, uh, you know, where he's from. Right, because they have to extradite him, right? That he hasn't been extradited yet. So he's at the Davis County Court because right. he's brought up on resisting arrest charges. And he goes into the courtroom with a very smug attitude because it was the same judge who presided at his murder trial. And he said... Hi, Judge Page. Nice to see you again. I tried to send you a Christmas. <gasps> yeah. What, very smug, disrespectful. Absolutely no respect for the court. Wow. Gonna, we're going to see that over and over again. I bet that pissed the judge off. I, yeah, you know, I bet it did too. I'm not sure what he got, but he was ex- extradited to Vegas. So whatever. Mm-hmm. He was probably like, and you may take him. Yeah. <laughs> The you are the weakest link as, as our two as our two guys would say and you sir may fuck off but, yeah. yes <laughs> all right so the media exploded with this case when they realized that thomas randolph had already been acquitted of murdering his wife in the 80s and it was a media circus and his mother was not happy with the attention she told the the press it's all a bunch of rubbish she maintained her son's innocence and said that her son was on disability for his back and suffered from hepatitis c because he'd been married so many fucking times well and and don't forget he was a drug addict remember yeah that too god i mean i'm Uh, not saying he got married i'm just saying because he's like obviously getting getting his ass around so you think he got hepatitis c from that or or he could or from drug use or or from from all of the above yeah and he also as we're going to see later did have some mystery of her son's marriage, she said that the couple had their problems, that they were both very independent, but she didn't believe that he had anything to do with her death. She said he's not that kind of person. Mm, you don't get accused of murder twice by mistake. No, you really don't. And, you know, he, she had, she was snowed by him or, you know, she just was in denial. Who knows? The press flocked to Davis County, Utah to interview the major players from the first trial, but they were sorely disappointed because, of course, his record had been expunged because he had stayed clean for a period of time after the acquittal. Once it's expunged, no one can go back and look what happened in that particular case, explained Deputy Davis County Attorney Steve Major. Bill McGuire, who prosecuted Randolph in 89, said, all I can say is that when we prosecuted him, we felt that we had a case that was sufficient to prosecute. And as I tell you later, he, you know, this guy was, he did his best to prosecute him. He knew that he was guilty, but you know, four women, four, three other women died afterwards. So it's kind of like tough, you know? Yeah. And if the evidence isn't there, it's not there, you know? Right. That's right. And it, you know, it, it's hard to prosecute something like that, I guess, especially back then, you know, they didn't, in 86, they didn't have, I guess the same forensics as they do, as they do now. Yeah. The Las Vegas indictment accused Randolph of hiring Michael James Miller to kill his wife, Sharon Cause Randolph. On May 8th, the indictment said Randolph waited outside his home as his wife went in and encountered Miller. The defendant's accomplice, Michael James Miller, acting in the role of a burglar, 
shot Sharon Claus Randolph in the head pursuant to the agreement and planted the defendant and his accomplice, Michael James Miller, the indictment states. Miller was then shot and killed in the garage, police said, and Randolph staged it to appear like he shot and killed the intruder during a scuffle over the gun. Officers have suggested it was part of a scheme to collect on Sharon Randolph's life insurance policy. Her obituary said that she married him in 2006 in Mexico, and then they sealed their vows again in Las Vegas in 2008, which was about a year before she was killed. After his extradition to Clark County, Nevada, he was brought before the judge and he told the judge, this is, this is just the same expletive said in the paper, but I'm thinking he said the same shit. This Probably. is just the same shit coming back from Davis County. It's going to have the same result. So again, he has no respect for the judge. I'm surprised they didn't make the judge like recuse himself. It was a different judge. So now he's in Clark County, Nevada. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. judge that he had before was in Davis County. Yes. All right. So the judge, actually the judge in, in Nevada, it was, it's kind of like a, it was a young lady at the time. She, I wouldn't say that young. She's probably about your age, but, which is kind of young for a judge, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. I think. Do you want to tell us how old you are? Oh. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Some of this, I feel like I'm saying over and over again, but it, it's kind of important to go back Not to the tell I don't story. feel like you have yet. Okay, good. Sharon Randolph and Michael Miller were gunned down in May 2008. Randolph was arrested and thrown in jail in 2009. When his case finally made it to trial in 2017, mm-hmm. nine years later, it was the oldest murder case to see a trial in Clark County. So mm-hmm. he was indicted in 2008. He was put in jail. And his case did not go to trial for nine years. He stayed in jail for those nine years. Wow. Yeah. So why did it take so long to go to trial? Mainly as a result of his own stall tactics. He had fired several attorneys through the years, including a guy named Yale Galanter. Galanter, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you say his name, but he had actually been known for representing OJ Simpson. Oh, right. for the second, for the, when he got arrested in Las Vegas, I bet. Oh, Okay. When he yeah. got, because he got caught trying That's to right. steal his memorabilia back. Ah, uh, bet you're right. Cause I was thinking, what? Okay. Yeah. You're- and supposedly he was, you know, that he was sentenced to like 20 years or 10 years or something in prison uh-huh. for that. And supposedly it was 20 years or was it? Yeah. Well, 94. So maybe like, it was actually like on the anniversary of him being found not guilty of nicole simpson's murder oh interesting all right um yeah okay so randolph had retained galanter for three years before firing him and receiving two clark county public defenders whom he also fired in addition randolph had been declared incompetent for trial for a number of reasons mm-hmm. he also tried to fire the two it the two public defenders he got just before the trial and the judge said no so that was another stall because he took it to a three panel judge and they said too bad um at his last competency competency hearing his attorney clark patrick told the court i'm concerned we're going to be back here before too long due to a recent change in medications which may alter randolph's mental state they changed his medication rendering him incompetent due to the withdrawal from the opioids oh the judge ordered that he be examined by doctors who found him to be a malignant narcissist with so i can't even say that word sociopathic tendencies 
who was mentally competent to stand trial. So yeah, he's, you know, maybe suffering from withdrawals. He's a malignant narcissist. He has sociopathic tendencies, but he can stand trial. And so the judge- That doesn't make you crazy. It it does not. The judge ordered his trial. Good. So uh, first the defense tried to suppress all the testimony and evidence from the 1986 murder trial of Becky Ray Randolph because Randolph had been acquitted of the charges and his record had been expunged. Nothing from the case they said should be allowed in the present trial. After all, a jury believed that she had committed suicide, had suffered from a cocaine addiction, and had also had a previous suicide attempt. Wow. But the prosecution disagreed. They said that the wives in Utah, that the case in Utah very much had to do with the current case. Both involved hitmen. Both included dead wives. Both included a staged scene. District Judge Stephanie Miley ruled that jurors could hear about the allegations against Randolph and Becky Ray Randolph's trial, but only when referred to as the Utah case. So they were allowed to bring in those allegations. Yes, because they were like. Yes, because we're okay. showing that there's a pattern here that this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really surprised that they didn't. I didn't come across the word serial killer too often. Uh, I did see. I did see that a few times. I mean, but it's a pattern that mm-hmm. he used over and over. Yeah. I guess maybe if he wouldn't have killed the two at the same time, maybe he would. Well, but he had a pattern of, of picking up these lone uh, down and out guys and, you know, kind of grooming them for what they want, what he wanted. But... Yeah. And who knows how many people he possibly, I mean, he could have probably killed more people. I, I guess it's possible. He beat the shit out of Tarantino before. Mm-hmm. All right. The judge also ordered Randolph to see a barber and clean himself up before coming back into the courtroom because he showed up at a brief court hearing before they picked the jury and mm-hmm. he looked very much like an older woman. His hair had grown out super long and he had it in um, and long gray white pigta- pigtails and he had gained a lot of weight and it looked like he had breasts. I mean, he looks so feminine and I have a picture at the end that I'll show you. Uh, that you can see but he looks like a woman not that there's anything wrong with that but he didn't look like that earlier in his in his life it was like he was transitioning to me Hmm. or do you think he was just trying to like act like he was crazy it could be could be that they put him on some sort of medication that you know caused i don't know i don't know Hmm. i and i and i did kind of look but then i was running out of time i did see some like I did see some mention of it in some articles, but nothing with any substance. Okay. So his lawyers were uh, special public defenders, Randall Pike and Clark Patrick wanted him well-groomed for the jury and he wouldn't. So they had the, the asked the judge to order it. And so the judge had to actually order it. Um, prosecutors were seeking the death penalty. And as I said, he did not hold the court in high esteem. He frequently questioned the professionalism of his attorneys and the judge. And I don't know if I actually talk about this, but he actually like tells a judge, yeah, you know, it's, you're a professional and you have to treat me fairly. Like he's a very kind of borderline, um, uh, borderline disrespectful, you know, edgy toes that line. Right. Which is not the smartest thing to do when you go into, uh, I don't know, a courtroom. Right. Right. Okay, so the trial starts, and during the trial, prosecutors launch quickly into the evidence portion of Randolph's trial that he hired a hitman to kill his wife. 
you know, they bring in all the information about Michael James Miller. Um, the chief deputy district attorney, Jacqueline Bluth, pointed to similarities in Galt's death and the killings of Randolph's sixth wife, Sharon Claus Randolph, and uh, James Michael Miller, the man that he groomed to kill her. They were allowed to tell the jury all about how Galt's body was found tucked in her waterbed inside their Utah home with a bullet to the right side of her head and a coroner ruled that she died by suicide, but prosecutors thought the positioning of the gun in her right hand was unusual for a self-inflicted gunshot wound and Randolph had profited off Becky's death. Prosecutors said that Randolph had the same motive to kill in 2008, greed. He would have received upward of $360,000 after Claus's death. I call it, it's Claus, but it's Claus Randolph. Right. And a week before she died, Randolph had received a letter responding to an inquiry that he had made about his wife's life insurance policy. What a jackass. Right. Bluth also pointed to two stories. Uh, she also pointed out two stories of two men, 20 years apart, who never even met each other, yet their stories were the exact same. Their friendship and their job was to kill two women, the wives of Thomas Randolph. And the only reason she said that Mike Miller is dead is because Eric Tarantino lived to tell the story and Thomas Randolph was not going to make the mistake again. Nope. Randolph's public defender, Randall Pike, told jurors that Randolph knew nothing of Miller's home invasion or his plan to kill Sharon Randolph. Randolph's marriage was steady. Money wasn't a problem. And the couple talked of buying property in Utah while fixing up their Northwest Las Vegas home before the killings. Randolph had married Cause in 2006, and the couple renewed their vows a year later. Pike told the jury that things were going good, but they weren't going good for Mr. Miller. He further told the jury that the couple had started moving toward the marriage that they hoped this was going to be. Later, he told the jury that a man who finds his wife shot dead has a right and obligation to make sure the threat is gone. Prosecutors yeah, if legitimately found her dead, not right. that he hired somebody to legitimately find an intruder in your house. Right. Yeah. Prosecutors then presented testimony about two of Randolph's other wives who had died from suspicious illnesses, which I already told you about. Then the prosecution presented evidence about the crime scene on his reenactment video. Randolph told police that when he faced the intruder in the entrance hallway of his home, the guy was wearing a black ski mask. However, evidence showed that Michael James Miller wasn't wearing a black ski mask when he was executed. He wore a black baseball cap, which is one that he wore regularly. Prosecutor Booth told jurors that a plastic tag remained on the inside of the mask near the space for a nose. I mean, you're not going to wear that little plastic tag on your nose. You're going to take that out, right? Yeah. It was there. The assistant prosecutor told jurors that there was little DNA evidence on the mask. There was no blood, no bullet holes, and no hair, even though Miller was shot in the head. The prosecutor said Miller's hat likely fell off after he was shot while slumped over in Randolph's garage, and Randolph tossed the ski mask next to his body. Well, he probably just thought that they would take his word for it. Exactly. Just, you know, here's a black man. Now, I don't know if I told you that Miller was black or not. No, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, you know, here's a, a down and out black man at home invasion. Why would anyone be surprised and shocked by this story? Stanton argued that Miller was used as a tool. That's all he was a means to an end. A man um, and Randolph was a man who didn't have the guts to pull the trigger and kill his wife himself, that he had to have somebody else do it for him. But then again, I'm thinking, you know, he had the guts to kill Miller. 
so he was just trying to cover his his i think he what he probably killed his other two wives it was a plan it was a it was a plan to get away with it and he thought that no one would question him if some you know like you said down and out black guy is the guy an, an intruder right he didn't think anybody you know that they would look into it but right right and okay so media outlets headlined the 1986 death of becky ray and his and randolph's subsequent acquittal so this is really when people really learned about becky ray randolph i mean her story was something in davis county utah but it wasn't world you know it wasn't a national headline until the death of his sixth wife this is when the news the news the media outlets featured the famous moment from his first trial where uh the davis county prosecutors played that rod stewart song foolish behavior and the one that I was oh yeah and the prosecution in this trial said that you know a witness testified that randolph played an imaginary guitar and sang along while plotting her death when asked to comment on the newest case davis county prosecutor crew media flocked to davis county utah to get all they could about the the 1986 case yeah and um you know of course there was a judicial expungement order however the prosecutor noted that he did his best to prosecute randolph for murdering his wife at the time he was sorry he hadn't been able to do so because three other women became victims Mm. that's sad the jury in this case he did his best he probably felt super guilty absolutely you know and i'm just wondering what it would have been like to be you know a juror because the jurors are the one that let him go but you know if the case wasn't there you can't convict yeah i mean we all know casey anthony killed her daughter but if you can't prove it without a shadow of you know you don't have it really know that 100 percent. but i didn't hear the evidence in the trial either well and what nancy grace had to say which i take with a grain of salt on most occasions well with what the state where the state of florida messed up with that one is they only charged her with first degree murder right so they couldn't find her guilty of something else that they would have charged her with second degree or whatever then she might be in jail but because right they didn't do that because they thought they had a slam dunk and then it's on the state to prove that she premeditated you know even though she was exactly exactly right yeah so they did their job. I mean, people want to make fun of Florida for like, oh yeah, fucking it up again. But really that's how the judicial system, it worked. It did well, its job. It did its job. But I think now prosecutors will be a little more careful about, you know, how they proceed. Mm-hmm. The jury found Thomas William Randolph Jr. guilty of two counts of first degree murder with a deadly weapon and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. And the media relish in naming Randolph the Merriam and Murderum serial killer. Oh, okay. I get what you were saying now. Like okay, Merriam like, and Murderum. Okay. Merriam, like marry them. Yes. Not and murder them. They left off the TH and then. Yes. I got the I same. Yeah. So the same jury had had to decide what punishment Randolph deserved in the penalty phase of the trial. Mm-hmm. And both the defense and the prosecution had, you know, had to present cases for the, the penalty phase. Thomas Randolph's defense attorneys, uh, one of them, Patrick and the other Pike, presented mitigating factors in his plea for a lenient sentence. He said that Randolph was not only an addict due to a back injury, but he also had a mental disorder that affected him, of course, the narcissistic personality disorder. Patrick called psychiatrist Norton Reutemann to the stand to talk about the personality traits and a in a 
an attempt to downplay the reenactment video because the reenactment video made him seem like a smug um what's the word smug what's the freaking word like asshole braggadocio uh just an arrogant ass arrogant arrogant was the word i was trying to come up with yes an arrogant ass and in explaining what Rand that randolph had a narcissistic narcissistic personality roitman compared randolph's videotaped interviews with police to his encounters with the defendant he entered a chapter of being examined by police and he acted the role that he wanted to act in that situation okay patrick asked and do you believe in the 11 hours you spent with tom was enough to get past that and into the real tommy so now we're calling him tommy roitman replied i think i scratched the surface a a few times i touched a couple of nerves i think i saw some real tears some authenticity yeah the prosecution made sure to counter that the convicted double murderer had lived for decades off the proceeds of his dead wives they also further explained that a narcissistic narcissistic personality is not a sociopath but someone who believes that he's at the center of the world when the camera's on them they're the actor when they get attention their personality shines through they can be disloyal they seek adulation and in marriages um, when they don't get what they want from that person they'll go and they'll get it from someone else uh, in addition it talks about how um he talked about how you know people with this sort of disorder they don't sleep at night they stay up they plot things and um a psychiatrist said what he's doing late at night when he's by himself in bed is much different than what he's doing when he's talking to people juicing them up with outrageous language and terms provoking reactions and living off their emotions the assistant prosecutor asked Reutemann if he knew that Randolph had mistresses throughout four of his marriages, and the psychiatrist said, I wouldn't doubt that. Randolph's first and fourth wives also testified during the penalty phase, each of them saying that they, when they were married to him, he threatened to kill them often and would even, you know, say, I'm hiring a hitman. Golly, if my husband said, I'm hiring a hitman to kill you, I would be out. Like, I mean, well, I just, if my husband said that, first of all, I wouldn't believe him. Like, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, there's that. But, but I'm not afraid already, of my husband either. Right. And that's, you know, if you yes. are afraid of, for your life already, then, and I, I mean, I guess if you think, well, he might be a little crazy. I mean, I don't know. You know, you might he, be a little know, he, he was psychopath. He didn't have any remorse, as I'm going to talk to you about later, but yeah, I, I actually had a narcissistic boss before. And I mean, all of these, and he was called a malignant narcissist, which is the worst kind. Yeah. So, yeah. Before closing the penalty phase, the deputy chief attorney, Jacqueline Bluth, called Randolph the worst of the worst criminals. She added that he's even dangerous from behind bars. I mean, she's got a point. He did hire a few hitmen or try to hire a few hitmen. Yeah. She told the jury, shouldn't the death penalty be about the worst of the worst? It should be safe for those human beings in society who are the worst of the worst. And he's pretty bad. Yeah. And the jury agreed. The panel of eight women and four men handed down two death sentences, one for each victim. Awesome. Randolph showed absolutely no emotional reaction, but turned and gave a thumbs up to a television news producer as he walked out of the courtroom. Clark County District Attorney Steve Wilson praised prosecutors and detectives who had peeled back layers of his version of events and said, I hope the family and friends of two people who lost their lives get some comfort and some satisfaction 
because I think justice was done. A death verdict was justice in this case. Now, what I want to say is that he came to trial wearing a Tony Romo Cowboys jersey, and he told he told the jurors that he, he said he wanted to speak to the jurors. So he was wearing, rather than a traditional shirt and tie, he was wearing this jersey. Okay, well, that explains a lot. Yeah, he had been locked up since January 2009 wearing only jail clothing, and he said, since I've been 12, I've been a Cowboys fan. It gives me comfort even in here. So he rose to address the panel of eight women and four men, adjusting his hearing aid headphones, referencing three of his four dead wives, saying that the thought of serving his time among the general population of a prison frightened him. He said, I lived a hell of a good life. I've been blessed. I'm sorry that all this happened. We'll do one appeal. And if it doesn't work, give me that shot and I'll go meet Sharon and Becky and Francis. Wow. Now the jurors had the decision. They had, they, they were able to make a decision between four different sentences, a term of 20 to 50 years behind bars, 20 years to life in prison, life in prison without the possibility of parole or death. And it had to be unanimous. And of course, they only delivered they only deliberated for about an hour before they came back with a, with a death sentence. Wow. Yeah. They were like, fuck this guy. Right. Yeah. So for more than nine years, Sharon caused Randolph's daughter had awaited to see this man punished for her mother's death. She said it's been way too long when she addressed the court. It's hurt every day. She told the court that she had been five months pregnant with her daughter when her mom was murdered by Randolph. And that her daughter was now nine years old. She cried and embraced friends after the sentence was announced. She said, I feel that's really what he deserves. He's a monster and he's one evil, evil monster. Yeah, he is. And if you look at this slide, the slide 22, you can see a picture of him there. That is him looking a little bit like a female. And looks a lot like a female. Yeah, he does. But he didn't really look like that in his younger years. So that's all I got. That's wow. it. So is he still alive? No, that's a good question. I I do believe that he is, um, but I'm gonna look it up. What a dirt bag. Okay, he does see. look like an old woman. Yeah, he does. I believe that he is still on death row because his sentence came in 2017. Golly, that is a long time. So he hasn't even. I don't even know if his automatic appeal has taken place yet. I didn't find anything on that. So oh, wow, maybe I think not. He's still he's still alive. Yeah, and with covid right yeah damn dang that was pretty good yeah that's good that was a good one path golly yeah all right guys well thanks so much for listening to this week's murder we appreciate sharing our passion with you and we thank you for your support if you'd like to support us even further please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating and a comment your subscription ratings are essential to our success you can do this on your favorite platform and for more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. We are so grateful to spend our time together to share our murderous stories. Thank you so much for your support. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your crime-loving friends and family. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Thanks again, guys. And remember... It wasn't me. It wasn't me.